You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Palm Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I am joined tonight by my co-hosts, Michelle and Tony. And we are continuing our Iditarod 2023 coverage. And yep, folks, the race is still going on. Can you believe it? We have 14, almost 15 mushers that have crossed the finish line into Nome. And we're going to jump into that in just a second. But we do want to welcome our newest Patreon member, Rebecca. Thanks for supporting us. And we also want to wish Gerhardt a happy birthday today. I know he's still out there on the trail and hopefully doing very well. So enjoy your time. Maybe somebody will slide you a piece of cake when you make it into Nome, I'm sure. All right. So into Nome right now, we have Ryan, Peter, Richie, Matt, Jesse, Kelly, Eddie, Matt, uh, Milla, Wade, Hunter, Dan, Christian, Jesse, and according to Tony and the GPS tracker, Aaron should be in relatively soon. At the back of the pack, we have Jed Stevenson, Bridget Watkins, Jason Mackey, Bailey, Joanna, Gerhardt, and Mike Williams Jr., Sadly, we did have another scratch since we aired last night. That was Eric Kelly, who scratched in Unicolite. Let's jump with that one first, Tony. What do you know about Eric? Uh, he scratched uh, for the well-being of his team. There wasn't a lot of information. I checked his fan page earlier today. And uh, they just posted that, you know, everybody's fine. Everybody's doing great. Um, but that he had to scr- he had chosen to scratch. They didn't have any more information than that. They assumed part- it was partially due to the windstorm that, um, that was basically keeping everybody hunkered down. And that was pretty much the story of the day. What do you know about that? Because I know on a bunch of pages they were saying, everybody's fine. Uh, There is a little bit of a storm coming on. But uh, what do you know about that? So we started seeing the winds pop up last evening. Um, Even as Ryan and Pete and Richie were coming in, the wind had picked up. According to Pete Kaiser's racing page, they shared uh, just a little bit about what Pete had shared with them, that coming into the blowhole, they were getting knocked off the trail, having a hard time finding the trail because of the wind gusts that were, they estimated, going as 
hard as 50 miles an hour. Um, Matt Saylor came in a little while later and said that he actually had to walk in front of his team because he has a lot of females in his team and they're so light that they were just getting picked up. So he was actually walking with them so that he could keep them on course and not getting blown away. Um, standard, typical stuff that we've heard the last few years. It's starting to feel like lather, rinse, repeat when we get uh, to that little section between White Mountain and Nome. But it it was a windstorm that continued throughout the night into the morning and early afternoon. And Mark Nordman had um, sent word to the checkpoints to suggest strongly to the teams that they hunkered down and that their uh, safest window to start again would be about 1 p.m. today. And that's when we really started seeing movement. There were a few teams that left earlier than that um, out of White Mountain because the winds had started to die down there already. Um, but the Shack Tulik crew, which is all of the back of the pack, uh, fans are starting to call them the Shack Pack. So I guess that's what we should call them. It feels very reminiscent of the Elam 11 from a few years ago. Uh, they took off at 1 o'clock just like they had told everyone they planned to. They went in a group, and I'm looking at the GPS right now. Jason Mackey, very Boozer-esque, is in the very back so that he can kind of play the sweep, I assume, and get those rookies to the next checkpoint of Koyuk. And I'm looking at it right now, and that line, they are almost off the ice and into Koyuk. They've got probably... For Jason, he's probably got another two hours. So in the next couple of hours, they'll be in Koyuk, and I'm sure very happy to take a long rest. Um, but, yeah, for for all of the wind and everything, poor Katie Jo was stuck out in it probably around the same time she was last year. I'm sure she was sitting there going, why me? But she just reached the checkpoint of safety. She'll be in Nome and probably about three hours. So everything's going well now, but it, it was pretty, pretty windy. If you go on to um, Eddie Burke Jr.'s Instagram page, he shared a fan's video of him coming into safety. It's a gorgeous video, but you just see these waves of snow being blown at him. It's very cool. Um, so it was it was yet another Iditarod windstorm to talk about. So let's move on, guys. We've talked a little bit about our trail report and where folks are at in terms of uh, when they'll be coming in. So what do you think, Tony? We, we forecasted about uh, 15-ish or so uh, last night when we went off the air. Where do you think we'll be by tomorrow night at this time? Do you think we'll be down pretty close to the end there into the 25s or do you think everybody will be in uh pretty close to now By tomorrow, tomorrow? No. i don't i don't expect everybody in tomorrow because the back of the pack isn't even in koyak yet oh that's right so, so and i they, think we've got a little bit of time there and they still have to do their eight hours yes so so i would say right. and and my days are running together i think it's thursday because i was supposed to have my uaa class it's today wednesday. but it's only wednesday so we we are we are a day early for sure so let's move on uh we've talked a little bit about uh the news or the stories of the day and we want to jump right in tonight to talk about our musher of the night. 
What do you know about Jed Stevenson, a guy from Idaho? What can you tell us, Tony? Um, well, I did speak with his uh, family, and I did get uh, a little bit of info from them, so I can definitely start off with the questions. Um, I asked, of course, what is one thing that you would like fans to know about Jed, or, or who Jed is, I'm sorry, and what makes him tick? And they answered, Jed is curious and always learning. This, combined with his incredible work ethic, makes life with him one big adventure after another. He also has one of the best laughs I've ever heard, and it's contagious. And then I asked, uh, what is something he has to have when mushing, not including mandatory gear, of course? And she said, Jed asked his family and friends for their favorite hype song, H-Y-P-E, to use in a playlist created for Iditarod. It includes songs such as Monster by Skillet, Can't Keep It In by Yusuf and Cass Stevens, uh, This Is Me by Keila Settle. This is not my genre of music, so I'm sorry I don't recognize these names. And I didn't come this far to only come this far by Fearless Motivation and On Top of the World by Imagine Dragons. That song I know. Um, and I, I, I responded with, I love the playlist idea, how cool. And she responded, he wanted resources to turn to for inspiration, especially for the dark places he knew he would enter into during the really hard moments on the trail. I love it. And I love finding out stories about these back of the pack guys. And Michelle, you're going to tell us a little bit about his bio on Iditarod. Uh, sure. So interestingly enough, Jed grew up in Germany as an American army brat. And, um, you know, he had a wonderful father that read to him a book. And I bet a lot of our fans might be able to guess which book he was read to. That's all about mushing by none other than Gary Paulson. Uh, he learned to train sled dogs working with Billy Snodgrass out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And then he furthered his training with Linwood Fieldler in Alaska and Gabe Dunham. And he does like to speak highly of his beautiful wife, Amy, and their twin boys. And they have settled down in northern Idaho, which is absolutely a beautiful area of the country. If you haven't been to northern Idaho, I highly recommend visiting there. Um, and Jed has received awards like Best Cared For Team in the Eagle Cap 200, uh, the Idaho Sled Dog Challenge 300. He also got Best Cared For Team. He has received the Sportsmanship Award at uh, the Race to the Sky 300 for catching a runaway dog team. And he is also one of only four people to finish the Rocky Mountain Triple Crown, which is an 800 grueling miles in the mountains. And it took three and a half weeks. Very interesting. Tony, did we talk about Jed back when we were doing the Eagle Cap uh, preview and recap? I believe we did, didn't we? We did. We did mention him um, when we did that. Uh, we didn't know quite that much about him, as I recall. 
Um, but we did we did talk about him. And I do have a Facebook post of his that I wanted to read um, because he does work in the ER when he's not dog mushing. And uh, he answered a question by fans uh, back in December. And he said, some have asked me why I don't start a dog sled tour company and do tours as a profession. It is a lot of fun, also a lot of work, and you can make a lot of money if you do it right. Tours are fun and adventurous, but the ER is heavy and deep. I believe we all need to bear the weight of society in some way or fashion, and for some, doing dog sled tours is, in, is their way. But the best way for me to carry that burden is by working in the ER. In the ER, you bear the burden of society by helping clean the wounds of people who have slit their wrists or by getting heart attacks to the cath lab fast, or by giving clot-busting medicine for life to life-altering strokes, or doing chest compressions to someone who is coded, or even the small stuff like reassuring people that they are going to be okay. Dog mushing is awesome, and it fills a very important role in my life, but the ER is where I do my heavy lifting for society. Just an all-around awesome guy that I was think. I, I would love to to know more about him Robert I hope that you are going to invite him to come on to the show yeah I would I would like to have Jed on uh, just a couple of points on my side first off I love his uh, kennel name Nordic wayfinding racing kennel and I probably said that same thing when we were talking about uh, Jed in the Eagle cap extreme race but secondly we find it almost every year that um, that we have uh, Jed is an ER nurse, according to his website. We always have these guys and gals sign up for Iditarod. I don't know how many um, ER nurses and docs that we've had, but I'm just thinking right off the top. Matt Paviglio was one. Uh, what, what's the what's the lady's name that had a heck of a time out there? Who was also an ER nurse. I believe she was the Red Lantern winner a couple of years ago. Do you recall that story? I don't know about that, but I do know that Bridget Watkins is a nurse, uh, I believe, in the ER. And then you have Joanna Jagow, I believe, is also a nurse. I know we've got two ladies uh, that are out there right now that are, are nurses, and I'm pretty sure it's Joanna. And I know it's Bridget. I was actually, the name came to me, I was actually thinking about uh, uh, Jane Faulkner, I believe is her name, or Atkins, one of the two, okay. Jane, Jane Atkins. Uh, yeah. uh, she was a uh, an ER nurse, I believe. So yeah, that the race really attracts those type of folks. And I, I, it could be like what Jed said, just a ability to give back. And I think that that is a cool way to go. So uh, we will definitely reach out to Jed when he's done with Iditarod and probably back home and recuperating. Uh, Tony, do you know if Jed is running somebody else's dogs or is, did he bring his own up or, or what? That I haven't been able to quite figure out. Um, I know that he uh, stayed at Linwood's home. I kind of feel like he has at least some of his dogs just from the posts that I'm able to read. I'm not actually friends with him on Facebook, so I can't um, get all of the details. And that was something that I should have asked his wife when I was uh, chatting with her today. Um, but it's, it's amazing. He's had a lot of bumps uh, along the way. His thousand pounds of meat that he had ordered came in the night before his drop bags were due. So he and Linwood 
spent all night cutting the meat and then sorting and packing all of his drop bags to get it through to uh, drop bag day there at Iditarod. And, and he said that Mark Nordman came up to him there at uh, that drop bag uh, collection and said, you're halfway to Nome. Just get in your drop bags here. That's half the battle. Yeah, so, that's... Uh, it's, it's been really exciting to see him uh, carry on. And, and he's actually, you know, he's almost to, to Koyuk. So he's, he's almost there. We know that there's still a lot of trail left, but he's so close. So I'm really pulling for him. Yeah, that that whole draw, uh, drop bag uh, requirement is, is a big deal. And I think we should talk about that in the off season. That, that's a cool process in and of itself. And just the amount of work and manpower that it takes to get that get that done for sure. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about our question of the day. Last night we asked you guys, uh, what is the greatest sports moment you ever witnessed? And I was following along with this, Tony, and I happened to wake up at about 2.30 in the morning and and uh, saw some retweets or whatever. So I saw a few of them, but it really didn't pick up until sometime today. What were folks saying about their their greatest sports moment? A lot of them listed the miracle on ice, which of course was in 1980 during the Olympics when uh, Team USA's hockey team uh, defeated the Soviets in the not even the medal round right it was right before the medal round i think i yes. don't know i wasn't born yet yes i it wasn't was. born yet so i don't know i have seen the disney movie and i love it it's one of my favorite sports movies but it's different than actually getting to uh view it and then a friend of uh ours they're an ugly dog um they helped me in anchorage uh heather she listed some of the top sports uh, moments that she's seen over the years in person, a lot of baseball moments she listed, but she listed as her number one, seeing Ryan Reddington come into the finish at Nome. She said that was an incredible experience. Now that just happened. So, you know, she's still riding that high and it'll be interesting to see what she says in a few years because she does go to a lot of sporting events. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she still holds on to that as her number one. But that was that was kind of cool to see that that Ryan got a couple of shout outs. Um, Marilyn Mapes, mom or Marilyn Mapes, sorry, mom to Meredith Mapes. She said her greatest sports moment was watching her daughter come under the burled arch back in, I believe it was 2018. Several parents uh, actually keyed in on, you know, their their greatest sports moment was watching their child. Uh, do something, you know, in sports. So uh, a lot of that, but I think the Miracle on Ice won. I think that got the most votes. <laughs> yeah, and I had forgotten all about the the World Series earthquake back in the day. And I, yeah. I know that you commented yeah. that you were watching that on TV. Michelle, I'm sure you saw that as well, right? Of course I did. Yeah, and that I was, was... I was eight years old. That was that was a big event in sports history for sure. And you had mentioned um, Heather uh, in your in your uh, discussions. Mm -hmm. I believe that is the same Heather that is now a Patreon supporter. She came in just the other day, so thank you to you if it is the same Heather because her Twitter handle is the same as her Patreon handle. It's something like 
Hi, I'm hey. Heather or something like that. Same person. Uh, warm Heatherette, I think, is so, is the Heather that I know on Twitter. Some so. something like that. Something like that. So very interesting uh, responses. So let's move over to tonight's question of the day. And we talked a little bit about it earlier on when we were talking about the Shack Pack and Jason Mackey doing his thing and probably sweeping the trail for a lot of these uh, rookie mushers. And Michelle said, man, that's that's not only Jason. You know, We talked a couple of nights ago about him um, pretty much sacrificing uh, his Iditarod a few years ago to help out his brother. It, it looks like he is doing something very similar here, not necessarily sacrificing his race, but definitely exhibiting some servant leadership. And that is a huge deal. Uh, it, like you said, Tony, it harkens back to a few years ago with the Elam 11 and Martin Booser sort of uh, playing uh, Grandpa Martin there and uh, making sure everybody was okay. So if that is in fact what Jason is doing, that is definitely a cool story for sure. So we're going to go with that theme, assuming that's what's happening on the trail. And the question is a little bit different than it's been in, in nights past. In nights past, it's been pretty, uh, pretty vague, if you will, or pretty uh, easy to answer. Like, what's your favorite snack, or who's your favorite musher, or whatever. Lighthearted. 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 Not vague. Lighthearted. So this one is <laughs> should make you think a little bit. Uh, what the question is? What leaderships do you have, and? How have they come to light at one period or another? So if you've had to step up into a leadership role, whether at work or in your family or in your community or in your church or whatever, how has that uh, come up in your daily life? We would really like to hear it. And Michelle and I know a thing or two about leadership. Uh, I have too many degrees in leadership probably than I, than I need. And Michelle is working on her master's in a leadership discipline right now. So I am really interested to hear what you guys have to say. So the I did a question of the day is what leadership qualities do you have and how have they helped your community in one way or another? Tony will post it right after the show. Hashtag I did a question. Please check it out and respond and we'll talk about them tomorrow. So, Michelle, what did we miss, or what else do you have for us before we go? Well, I think that we missed nearly 30 minutes, 35 minutes of our traditional show links, but that is because <laughs> <laughs> that's because you've got some big uh, night this evening with your students from the University of Alaska Anchorage that are doing your Mushing 101 course. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know that there are very few opportunities, at least here in the United States, where you can actually sign up for a dog mushing course in college, get credit for it, and have the experience of your life. So I'm very honored to have that position at both uh, the University of Alaska Anchorage and also Alaska Pacific University. And hopefully uh, we still have a, a decent enough trail out there. I haven't been out there since last weekend, but it is warming up quickly, and I hope that these guys can get a good experience over this past weekend. Tony, what do you have that we missed or uh, anything else before we go? 
Uh, we didn't miss it because we didn't talk about it, but I do want to give a shout out right now. Christian Turner holds the fastest time from safety to gnome. Uh, I believe only the top 20 get entered for that. So we've got about five more uh, chances for him to get bumped off. And uh, I don't know, it could be Nicholas Petit could really turn on the afterburners and, and beat that time or Ramey Smith's right there. He's running in 19th place or will when he gets out of White Mountain tonight. So uh, it, it's still exciting. There are races within the race. So keep watching. Keep watching for sure. And that is one of the awards, isn't it? The fastest time from safety to know. Yep. yep. Yeah, I thought yep. it was. So we'll, we'll talk about those awards as well on our Sunday night banquet show for sure. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Make sure you tell your family and friends. And if you're so inclined, head on over to patreon.com slash firstballmedia and become a patron. It's just so that you can show us a little support. Remember, this show will stay free for as long as we possibly can do it out of the goodness of our hearts. And we've been doing this since 2009. So rest assured, it's going to be a while. Otherwise, we will be back on the air tomorrow. We have three or four more nights of this before we hang up our Iditarod coverage and move on. So on behalf of my co-hosts, Michelle and Tony, this is Robert. For our Iditarod show, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.